Good day, everybody, and welcome back to the House of Mario. This encore, we celebrate 25 years of the Pokemon series by taking a journey back through the Sinnoh region that was introduced in Pokemon Diamond and Pearl in 2006. And going into Pokemon Diamond and Pearl when I was a kid, these were the first next generation of Pokemon games I was really excited for. So going back through mem memory lane of uh, these Pokemon games is going to be a lot of fun. Um, because to be honest, it's been years since I played them. Around the time they came out, I played them again and again and again through Diamond, Pearl and Platinum. But uh, it's been a long time since I've gone back to those DS games. So looking forward to going through and kind of uh, remembering things as I go along. I don't remember the Sinnoh region quite as well as I remember Hoenn, Johto and Kanto. But I think uh, this is going to be a lot of fun to go through. So, to start off, we'll talk about the Pokemon themselves just to get things rolling. So, there were 107 Pokemon introduced in Pokemon Diamond and Pearl within the Sinnoh region. And uh, at the time, there was a lot of these I didn't like. But i got to admit, Generation 4 has definitely grown on me as time's gone on. Uh, I think a lot of the evolutions for the original Kanto Pokemon were a little bit up in the air as far as um, design goes uh, when the games come out. But... These days, I really, really do enjoy most of them. There's one in there which actually made one of my most unfavorite Pokemon lists uh, back in another Encore I did uh, about a week or so ago. But uh, that Pokemon's Licky Licky, evolving from Lickitung. Just, uh, just a really, just a really weird Pokemon that sort of doesn't really get that good a stat boost. But um, the others, honestly, I think they're all fantastic. So. You got Weavile, Magnezone, Rhyperia, Tangrowth, Electivire, Magmortar, Togekiss, Yarmega, uh, Leafeon, and Glaceon evolving from Eevee. Some more Eevee evolutions there. You got Gliscor, Mamoswine, Porygon Z, which is my probably second or first favorite Pokemon, depending on what day you ask me. I know that's a, kind of a weird one, but I just love the Porygon line so much. You got Gallade, uh, Probopass. I remember <laughs> this is like such a weird Pokemon just because it's got um, that big nose and big mustache, but. You know, that's grown on me as well. Dust Noir, always awesome. Fro and Frostless, who evolves from Snowrun, if it's a female. So some really sort of awesome evolutions from existing Pokemon. A lot of Kanto Pokemon in that mix. Um, but I think these days, I think they're absolutely fantastic evolutions. And I know while they might not encapture the design of the original Kanto Pokemon um, for some of them, but, uh, I think like, for example, Rhyperia, I was always like, oh, it looks so dumb. It's got like, you know, it is fairly over-designed compared to Rhydon, but, um, seeing it now, I think it's just a cool Pokemon. It has grown on me like through using it in the games and Pokemon Go and all that type of thing. But, uh, the designs are fantastic. So there's the, there's the evolutions, but the original Pokemon, I think like the starter Pokemon are just, uh, fantastic. There's some of the, the best starters in the whole series. You've got Turtwig, Chimcha, and Piplup. Um, I, you can't make a bad choice when it comes to these guys. They're absolutely fantastic designs. Like Torterra, Infernape, and Empoleon. Really awesome. I always chose uh, uh, Turtwig as my starter Pokemon, and Torterra was my favorite for years and years. And it still might be. I'm not sure. But I tell you what, Empoleon has risen the ranks, and I love it so much. I think it's an amazing Pokemon. And Infernape is like, you know, a couple of tiers underneath personally for me, but I still think uh, Infernape's a cool Pokemon, even though it is kind of a Blaziken clone. <laughs> but uh, just going through this list, just of some of my favorites. So Buizel and Floatzel, some of my favorite Pokemon. Uh, just a really nice design. A lot of these uh, Pokemon 
uh, going into Diamond and Pearl since there was such a long time sort of uh, between the Japanese release and the Australian release. I had a lot of time to go to Cerebi.net and resources on the internet and sort of choose what Pokemon I wanted on my team. So Torterra was one of them, Floatzel was one of them, and the other one was Driftblim. Really, really wanted a Driftblim. And sort of looking at it, I'm like, I don't know why I like you so much. <laughs> but I do. I absolutely love it. It's uh, got a really cool typing, been the ghost flying type. Uh, it's a blimp. And um, I love uh, Driftloon's Pokedex entry. It's such a derpy little thing. It's just like a little balloon with its legs dangling. It's Pokedex entry. basically says that if you... Um, it sort of tries to lure kids to hold on to it and like drag them up to the spirit world or whatever. But um, since it's so, you know, it's not able to carry that much weight because it's so small. But um, it's just like kind of a mucked up thing. You see like kids running around with these drift loons. Like, oh my God, those drift loon are so sadistic. They're trying to kill those kids, but um, they, they're just not big enough. So if you get like a, a massive drift loon, <laughs> it's just like, oh God. <laughs> Um, but Bronzley, they um they oh sorry, they also introduced uh, pre-evolutions to a few existing Pokemon as well, and uh, I think Bronzley is such a fan favorite for a lot of people. Um, being a pre-evolution of Pseudo Widow, who was also like a, a sort of a weird favorite Pokemon of mine from Johto, and uh, Bronzley is just so cute. It's beyond cute, and um, in Super Smash Brothers, it's uh, available from a Pokeball. And you can pick it up and it's super heavy. And if you throw it, it just has like massive smash potential. It's so funny. So that's a, that's an awesome memory. I have a bronze lead. But when it comes to these Pokemon, like I, I like, you know, love Sudowoodo. Bronze lead really stood out to me. But the amount of work you need to, to do to breed a bronze lead from a Sudowoodo, I kind of don't understand what the sort of benefit or the, <laughs> what the point is of uh, these uh, pre-evolutions introduced. I get that they're cool and the new characters, but as far as actually using them in the game, they're kind of like neither here nor there. But Mime, Juna, and Happiny are also pretty cool. Happiny being a pre-evolution of Chansey and uh, Mime, Junior, obviously Mr. Mime. Nice little pre-evolution there. Um, and yeah, the pseudo-legendary being Garchomp. Garchomp is absolute menace in uh, PvP. Absolutely, uh, absolutely uh, something to be wrecked with. Oh yeah, we've got Munchlax here too. He's a bit lower in the Pokedex. Pre-evolution of Snorlax. Munchlax is a really cool character, but again, it's kind of like, you know, there's not much benefit to getting one if you're just going to end up with the same old Snorlax anyway. But Lucario, uh, I remember when they were introducing Lucario in the new Pokemon. I thought Lucario was going to be a legendary. They were sort of setting it up for that, but um, one of the most popular Pokemon in existence. And uh, you got like a bunch of bunch of others as well, but they're sort of the main ones, and also the legendaries, which we'll touch on later, including God itself, because <laughs> of course you need a God in your Pokemon games. So let's touch on a little bit of a background for the Sinnoh region itself. So the Sinnoh is a is a region in the Pokemon world that is located north of Kanto, Johto, and Hoenn, and is the setting for Pokemon Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum. It was the fourth of the core series to be introduced. A Sinnoh is composed of the mainland and the battle zone on another landmass to the northeast and several small islands on both sides of the region. Most of Sinnoh's routes are on land, having very few water routes, a vast contrast to Hoenn. The region is divided by Mount Coronet, roughly comparable to how the continent that make up Johto and Kanto make up is essentially a continuous region. And it's interesting too, because like researching a little bit for this episode, 
Um, there's an island um, basically up the top of the Sinnoh region. It's quite large and you can access it in the post game. And it actually turns out that that region is uh, based off of uh, a place in Japan that was actually um, sold off or given to Russia. So reading this from Bulbapedia, the, the geography of the Sinnoh region is based on the geography of the Japanese island. I'm, I'm going to butcher these names too, by the way, <laughs> but I'm going to get them roughly there. Uh, Hokkaido uh, and the north part of the Russian island, Sakian, as well as uh, Kanashira, uh, which is claimed by Japan and administered by Russia. Sinnoh has been said to be an island like Hoenn rather than a peninsula. Peninsula. <laughs> uh, most of the cities and towns in Sinnoh are positioned the same way as the real cities and towns in Japan, while most of its design are based off it as well. Jubilife City is Sinnoh's largest city, which is based off uh, Sapporo City, uh, Horado's uh, largest city, while Velestone City is based upon uh, Haparashi City, a major port. So just a little bit of, uh, I guess, kind of information with me butchering the Japanese names there. Uh, I think I have some form of dyslexia. I don't know. I like to think I have dyslexia or I just can't read. I don't know. But when it comes to Japanese words, I'm like, oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I always find it fascinating that um, these regions are based off like real places in Japan. But um, this will be the last region based off of a a real Japanese place going on to Generation 5. It starts being based on the US, the UK, and US, UK, am I missing one? Oh, and France. So, yeah, it's um, this is the last Japanese-based region of some sort. So it's going to be fun to sort of dive into that. But let's do a little bit of history before we start our journey through the, throughout the Pokemon Diamond and Pearl soundtrack. So... The history section. So according to Sinnoh myths, this region was the first of all regions in the Pokemon world to have been created. In a void of nothingness, a single egg came into being, which then hatched into Arceus, the first Pokemon to be in existence. Arceus, Diagla, Palkia, and possibly Giratina, and Arceus then gave birth, gave, oh, sorry, gave Diagla and Palkia the abilities to control time and space, respectively. Giratina was banished to another dimension for its violent behavior. Then, during a very early formation of the world, Arceus created Azelf, Axi, Mesprit to create willpower, knowledge, and emotion, respectively, things that are in, in all modern humans and Pokemon. They dove into the bottom of present-day Lake Valia, uh, Arcity, and Verity, in an act which earned them the name the Lake Trio. At this point, Arceus created the Sinnoh region, and Mount Coronet divided the region into two sections. During this violent procedure, Spark Mountain was created and Heatran was formed in the lava. Arceus finally created the Adamant Lorb, the Lustrous Orb, and the Gracious Orb before falling into a never-ending sleep at the Hall of Origin. Around this time, Mew was thought to have become into being, containing the DNA of every Pokemon in existence, and that will be in existence in the future. Human habitation of the Sinnoh is estimated to have begun when Sinnoh was created, as said in Myth. It is stated that Pokemon and humans led separate lives but always helped each other. They supplied each other with goods and supported each other. Pokemon pro uh, proposed uh, to, the other, to the others to always be ready to help humans, that Pokemon be ready to appear before humans always. Thus, to this day, Pokemon appear to humans if they venture into tall grass. 
So this is the region that sort of sets up a lot of the lore for the Pokemon world. Um, sort of before this, there wasn't any sort of talk about how did the Pokemon come to be? And, you know, they didn't touch on, I guess, more religious themes and themes of creation and evolution apart from just like your Pokemon obviously evolve. So this was the story that sort of set off, um, you know, more discussions about how things happened and a few answers to uh, to some maybe silly questions you had as a kid, like, huh, is Clefairy really an alien or is that just something they wrote in the anime? <laughs> but no, it's a, it's, a, it's a Pokemon. They're all Pokemon. Whether it comes from a different world or it comes from, don't know, just evolution on planet Earth, uh, it, it's, a, it's a Pokemon. That was always such a weird episode of the anime. Sort of sent me on a weird tangent there, but anyway. <laughs> But yeah, so Arceus is pretty much Pokemon God, which is just nuts. And um, these games are sort of the first games to really dive into themes that are literally from another world. <laughs> and uh, it's sort of set... It's, they're always the games I look back on like, holy crap, they, they went places with that one, didn't they? Because literally controlling space and time... And like Cyrus with Team Galactic, who was the evil team in the Sinnoh region. It's um it's, it's a bit far-fetched, I don't know. <laughs> Cause up to this point, it was like Team Rocket, they're bad guys, they use Pokemon to make a profit. You know, that's just just your general fugs. I think that's a pretty believable thing. Um it it, do, it does get a bit more uh big on scale, I guess, with Team Magma and uh, Team Aqua from the Hoenn region. And, uh, you know, that is something based off of a real-life thing that happened in Japan with the farmers versus the government and all this type of thing. So that's an interesting look into that one. But with the Sinnoh region, it's like, all right, we're literally, like, in space controlling time and <laughs> opening portals to another dimensions and stuff. It's like, wow, like, it's a cool story. It's a cool story. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a bit much. Anyway, so we touched on that, but just before we dive into it, let's um let's get into a bit of trivia, um because there's a few little interesting tidbits about the Sinnoh region. So uh, if you, this is from also from Bulbapedia, so thank you for these little tidbits. Uh, so if you if one were to draw a line to connect the three lakes of Sinnoh, there will be a big triangle with Mount Coronet at the center. This is the same formation as Axi, Mesprit and Azelf make at the top of the spear pillar with Diagla or Palkia in the middle, as well as some formation put in areas relating to Sinnoh myths. Um, so I guess that's just laid out how it is. Um, only the southern part of the now Russian island uh, Sakian is referenced in the re region. Um, in the 1855 Treaty of Shimada, uh, Russia and Japan agreed to split the island with Japan receiving the southern end. While Japan gave Russia full control of Sakayan in 1875 in exchange for the uh, Kuril Islands, um, Japan was again given the southern two-fifths of the island after the Russo-Japanese War in 1905 and would re uh, retain control until 1840, no, sorry, 1945. <laughs> Um, the region is the only region in the core series that doesn't have five letters in its English name. Only having six uh, is also the only region without a notable uh, notable dragon-type trainer. And uh, Sinnoh has been shown to have more shiny Pokemon inhabiting it than any other region 
in the Pokemon anime with a total of seven. So that's been Dustox, Metagross, Ditto, Raikou, Entei, Suicune, and Ariados. And uh, I think that's due to the movie featuring Zero Aura, how there is like the legendary dogs and like there's a there's a few shiny Pokemon in there, which is always cool to see shiny Pokemon. Big fan of uh, the shinies, as they say, in uh, the Pokemon world. So always appreciated that. So yeah, nothing mind-blowing for the Sinnoh region, but um, yeah. All right, everybody. So we've waited here long enough. Let's start our journey throughout the Sinnoh region and let's talk to the professor of the Pokemon Sinnoh region, and that is Professor Rowan. And uh, Professor Rowan, he specializes in Pokemon evolution. So that's what he does, and he comes from San Gem Town, which is actually a little bit different to normal because, well, San Gem Town isn't necessarily the opening area. It's the second town you get to. But uh, Professor Rowan, you know, he's, he's an old man. He's like all the rest, he says. All right, mate, what's your, what's your gender? What's your name? What are we going to do? And uh, I'm like, all right, we've been here a few times. All these old men asking me who I am. It's like, you know, no pleases, no thank yous, no handshakes or whatever. But I guess, you know, he does. they do introduce themselves first. So they do have a bit of courtesy there. So there's no complaints, I guess. So Professor Rowan, he's, he's an old man. He's um, pretty similar to the other Pokemon professors. Obviously, um, also based off of a, a tree name with uh, the Rowan tree. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, another Pokemon professor. It's not until uh, the next generation where we get a, a female professor, which is uh, a very nice change of pace. So, so we meet Professor, and uh, this is where we get a, a TV broadcast that there's a red Gyarados at Lake Verity. And so we start the game in uh, Twinleaf Town. And this is our hometown, and there's uh, really not much going on in this town, much like all opening Pokemon areas, as we've discussed many times. <laughs> but um, Twinleaf Town is a small town with a fresh scent of new leaves in the air. It feels like a place where adventure starts. Uh, your own home and your best friend's house are located here. So there's only basically two houses, being yours and Barry's. Who is your rival? Who we'll talk about a bit later. But the other two houses are just like smaller houses. So it's funny how they sort of just put like an emphasis on the uh, two main characters when the other houses are just like, oh, who cares about who lives here? I actually can't remember if you can go in there or if they say anything significant. I'm not actually too sure. But yeah, I um, I always uh love like the opening area music how it's just so relaxed and that and going into route 201 is no different I think this might be my some of my most favorite uh, sort of opening music as well for the first route because this is just such a hummable theme that gets stuck in your head I know it is for me anyway it's actually kind of annoying <laughs> especially back when you're playing this again and again and again like this just gets stuck in your head it's the type of thing that keeps you up at night <laughs> so if I'm playing that now and I'm doing the same for you I'm sorry I'm sorry everyone alright so let's uh, let's move on to Lake Verity here we are we're looking for that red Gyarados that's been on TV it's very famous in the, uh, the uh, Johto region but here in Sinnoh, we don't see too many red Gyarados, so we would love to see one, but 
Unfortunately, ourselves and Barry do not come across one. But unfortunately, we do get attacked. We do get attacked, everyone, by Starly. My God. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? There's a Starly attacking us. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But fortunately, Professor Rowan has left his uh, his uh, his suitcase with the three starting Pokemon being Turtwig, Piplup, and Chimchar. So thank God for that. We would have died if they'd not stay here. So let's encounter our wild Pokemon and jump to the wild Pokemon theme. And listening to uh, the wild Pokemon battle music, it's not my favorite in the series. Uh, it's probably like around the middle somewhere or something. I'm not quite sure, but it's definitely a theme that like, just makes me remember back to 2007 when I was playing these games on the DS. And um, actually having the DS and having a Pokemon game, I was actually able to use headphones this time around. So a lot of this music I actually took in really well because of... Um, being able to actually use decent headphones instead of just the, the standard handheld speakers. But I think this is a great one. You can it's sort of like jumping to the DS. There's not a huge change in like how um, they're able to produce sounds for the soundtrack, but it definitely does evolve from the Game Boy Advance, even though like the Game Boy Advance soundboard I just have um, such heavy nostalgia for. So... I probably do still prefer the, the music from the Generation 3 games, but anyway, that's all good. So, thank God, everyone, we've, uh, we've, we're going to beat that Starly. Thank God. Oh, God. We've gone up to level 6. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. So, after this uh, bit of a wild encounter, we've got to go to Sand Jam Town and uh, talk to Professor Rowan. Oh, man. Man, that was a, that was a tough battle. So... In Sand Gem Town, uh, it's a it's a sandy town that is located right next to the beach. It is uh, <laughs> it is a uh, uh, surrounded with salty scent of sea. Professor Rowan's lab is the town's landmark. He conducts his studies on Pokemon here. So there's only a couple of houses, the lab and um, a Pokemon and a, a Pokemon Center. So there's not a whole lot going on here here either. Uh, just another sleepy town, but I remember always having to come back here once you finish the game and you surf down, and that's how you get to the Power Park, which we'll talk about later, how you can transfer game, uh, Pokemon from uh, Generation 3 games, which was always uh, something I did every day to get those uh, cloned Pokemon from Pokemon Emerald, which I just forgot about. <laughs> uh, those Latios went really well in the GTS, I'll tell you that. So while we're here in San Gem Town, we meet um i guess the opposite character to who we pick so if if we pick uh, the female character will be uh, uh, it'll be lucas in the game and if we pick the male character it'll be dawn in the game and really this character doesn't play a huge role so basically if you they play the assistant to professor rowan and they live in san gem town with their little sister grandfather and father who works as an assistant for pokemon oh, sorry, for professor rowan um, they are the professor's assistant at the beginning of the game, and they already have their starter Pokemon, and they'll have what's, whatever's weak to you. So, uh, if you pick Turtwig, they'll have Piplup. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they'll have Piplup. If they have Chimchar, they'll have 
uh, Turtwig, and if you have Chimchar, they'll have Piplup. And uh, I think this was uh, one of the first examples in the series of um, a rival picking something that's weak to yours and having, oh, just having a rival that isn't necessarily a rival, just someone who is a character that plays a bit of a role in the game. Um, so, yeah, that was, uh, it was kind of a cool thing. I was like, oh, well, this person, I can beat easy. Fantastic. Not that you have many, if any, battles with them. They do introduce you to catching Pokemon, so they give you that uh, tutorial everyone likes to try and skip because it's always a pain in the bum um, if it's not your very first time playing a Pokemon game. You know, the concept is pretty simple. You've got Pokeballs, you click on them, and you automatically throw them. <laughs> um, if you want to put some status or some uh, damage on them, that's always good too. That'll help you. But apart from that, it's not, there's not too much for it. Just throw and hope. Throw and hope. Um, that's what a lot of Pokemon go with. It's like, you know what? I'm throwing and I'm hoping. There's no status effects or anything in this game. So here we go. And uh, also in uh, Sandgem Town... There's uh, this, so this is where you come across the, the Pokemart and the Pokemon Center. So, the Pokemart, another, another actually ripper theme. <laughs> Just that piano again, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's quite as good as the um, Generation 3 one, just because. I love, in, in the Ruby and Sapphire, I just love like the sort of like the checkout sort of a noises remixed into it. It sounds really good, but this is pretty much the same thing. And for the Pokemon Center, we actually go back to the uh, original theme as well. So we go, yeah, we go back to this from the original two games. Ruby and Sapphire changed it up a bit and had uh, this theme sort of uh, as a hidden track. But it's, uh, it was actually pretty cool to go back to this. And they added like this little bit on here, which is pretty cool. And uh, I'm going to use this uh, song as a bit of an example for uh, the day-night cycle. So the day-night cycle was re-added. Um, it missed Generation 3, but it was an original feature in Generation 2 for Gold and Silver. And it came back for the DS. The DS was obviously able to do it a lot easier because of the internal clock you were able to set on that system. So now we've got uh, a day-night system and uh, a lot of the music changes for each, uh, each route, each town and uh, the Pokemon Center as well. So for the most part, going through this uh, episode, I'm only going to be playing the daylight, also the daytime theme, but um, just for the Pokeball Center, it just completely changes. And I really like how they do this, because a lot of the time I'm playing late at night, and you go into a Pokemon Center, and it's, and it's just like such relaxing music. During the daytime, you've got that upbeat theme, but during the night, you go in and you're going through your PC and organizing your Pokemon, healing... Um, but you just got this nice, relaxing, sort of laid-back music, which I always really appreciated. Um, so the day-night uh, sort of cycle was pretty important in these games because it's sort of effective about what Pokemon appear where and when. Um, and while, while in premise, I, I think it's a great feature, but like most of the time I did play at night because... 
if I was busy at school or you know doing whatever you do as a kid during the day and video games are at night it was um it was kind of like oh, oh I'm, I'm sick of uh, sick of running into Sneasel <laughs> or you know dark type Pokemon I want to yeah get uh, I don't know whatever comes out at in the during the daytime but anyway we're gonna heal up our Pokemon let's move on to some battle themes so these are the encounter themes for all of the uh, the trainer classes in the game so this is the theme for uh, encountering a kid we'll get through these rather quickly now this is for coming up to alas Now let's jump into some twins. Oh, we got the biker theme. Now this one is the hiker. So we got a lot of uh, trainer classes that have come from generation three and the generations that come before it. And next up is the Ace Trainer. How's that brass at the start of that? That is wicked. Alright, moving on to the Aroma Lady. <laughs> and uh, next up we got the Pokemon Collector. So this is like all of like the... Um, <laughs> all the shiny hunters, all of the uh, people that want to complete their Pokedex. This is like, you, this is your theme. <laughs> Just like some really creepy thing. I can't remember, but I think uh, the Pokemon Collector was basically like the maniac in these games. I can't quite remember. Alright, so let's move on to the artist. And the artist was actually a, a brand new trainer class introduced in Generation 4, which went on to um, be in all the other generations as well. And in these games in particular, uh, the artists are basically like old men who like, you know, will paint your, paint your uh, portrait. But um, going into Generation 8, they actually become like, just like crazy artists, which is actually pretty funny. Alright, so next one, we're going to the martial artist. And the sailor. Put you to sleep. <laughs> and last but not least, the gambler. Right, enough of that. We've met our trainers. Let's get into a battle. Gotta do the Pokeball sound.
so this bit here where it sort of like goes to this like lower bit is it, it gives me goosebumps and it gave me goosebumps back in the day too when I'm actually like playing the games and going into like maybe it's a tough battle and like I'm like yeah. it gets you it gets you sweating it gets you sweating um like I said about the wild battle theme it's probably not my uh favorite theme out of all of them but it's definitely one which I really really enjoy and um, listening through it at the moment is, uh, you know, giving me a bit of nostalgia because I haven't played through these games in a long time. So it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be great to um, play these games once again. Um, I'm actually playing through Emerald again after doing last episode. I uh, got a custom Game Boy, so I've got a good reason to go back to my Game Boy Advance at the moment. But regardless, anyway, so well done. We win. Congratulations. We, we beat. Yeah, uh, we get we would beat them. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to Jubilife City. And uh, for Jubilife City, uh, is the uh, most modernised city in the Sinnoh region. It is bustling with people on the go. The Pokertech company, the developer and manufacturer of the Pokertech, is <laughs> is located here. Jubilife TV, Sinnoh's TV network, is located here. It is an entertaining place to visit. The global terminal is located here. It is your connection to the entire world. Located here is the trainer school. Drop in to study up on Pokemon basics. And uh, yeah, the global terminal. So I've got um, a lot of memories with this thing. Just with um, online in general. This was to play Pokemon online. I went to the effort to actually go and buy the Wi-Fi dongle for the DS. Um, it didn't connect to your wireless uh, router how you'd think it should. How you just like type in the code and it automatically goes. The DS didn't originally do that. It wasn't until the DSi where you were actually able to just connect to a router with no issues. So you had to buy this little dongle, which was I think it was like 50 bucks. So, um, you know, it is quite expensive. That's the price of a game just to get a Wi-Fi <laughs> dongle. So I put that into my mum's computer and it just wouldn't work. And as, as like a 12-year-old kid, I was mucking around on forums and all this trying to figure out how to get this thing to work. And it basically turned out to be a problem with the computer's firewall and had to turn that off to play my DS online. So I did a lot of Mario Kart DS and a few multiplayer games like that. But the main purpose was to be able to trade online for Pokemon. And this was the first Pokemon game to go online which was a um, such a massive thing. I think uh, we all take it for granted now, just being able to get what we want. Um, just go online and be like, yeah, you know what? I would like to get a, I don't know, a Groudon because I don't have a, I don't know, Pokemon Omega Ruby. So I'm just going to go and ask for a Groudon and put like a Kyogre or something, something decent up and you'll get it. But uh, back in these days, it, it wasn't necessarily the case. But when they brought online, they brought uh, that option. So when I finally got it working, I always... Um, spent each day going to like my mum's office looking for like Pokemon that I was able to trade for and get. Um, back in these days, the GTS, you could only search for Pokemon to trade or receive if you'd seen them or have them in your Pokedex. So if you were missing Mew or Darkrai or a, like a mythical Pokemon, you couldn't search for it unless you had seen it, unless a friend had traded it to you and traded it back, just did like a spot trade. Um, so you could, it wasn't that robust. It wasn't until a few generations later where you could just type in exactly what you want and you could potentially get traded it. Um, but I spent a lot of my time this, like, uh, there was a glitch in Pokemon Emerald where you could take your Pokemon to the battle tower 
and you could clone a party of Pokemon. And this was the only Pokemon game since Pokemon uh, Crystal, I believe, that um, you could actually <laughs> clone your Pokemon. You couldn't... The glitch wasn't in the original Ruby and Sapphire. It was just the battle tower for Pokemon Emerald. So I just basically cloned a heap of Latios, went to Power Park every single day and uh, traded them. And people really wanted Latios, which is great. So I basically could get anything I wanted. I was asking for... I'll basically say, well, I've got to get something today um, because, you know, might as well. I put it up before I go to school and I receive it when I come home from school. And I'll be like, oh, let's try Rhyperia. I want a level 101 and here's a Latios. And people gave it to me all the time. And I assume it's just because uh, these games were pretty easy to hack or manipulate through cheats, whether it's the R4 card or uh, whatever have you. But I had like so many level 100 Pokemon because of uh, trading. And uh, yeah, just some some great memories being able to trade and um, <laughs> just uh, reflecting on the Wi-Fi sort of, sort of things. Like you could only play with your friends who you added through the game and obviously the DS had no friend sort of adding or requesting features. That came with the 3DS and that was, uh, that was a bit iffy as well, but it was, it was fun. But you could only play with friends and it was only a Pokemon Battle Revolution that came out on the Wii that you could actually play with uh, just randoms. And uh, it's funny looking back now where it's so hard to play with your friends in Pokemon Sword and Shield, <laughs> but um, playing with your friends is, is hard and playing with randoms is easy. So it just made a 100, 100% 180. But also remember with these games, uh, Diamond and Pearl, um, it came out with a, like a DS headset and it was like a really cheap thing. It was like 50 bucks or something, which is ridiculous for how much it was. Sure, surely it was only 30 or something. Can't remember. doesn't really matter. But it was like a white little earpiece you put on and you connect to your DS and it goes into the headphone jack and it also uses the uh, the port next to the headphone jack on the DS if you've um, noticed that one. So that's what it's used for. It's used for headsets because everyone loves a good headset on a, on a DS. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just some great memories uh, going to Jubilife City and going to the, the global terminal. And as far as the other stuff goes, like, for example, the, the Pokertech company. And this is, uh, it's basically your Pokenav or your Pokemon phone of this game. And uh, it comes with, like, a few apps and stuff well as well. So on the bottom screen, this is what uh, takes it up. And you can use it as a calculator, as like, for your, basically for your steps. Um, you know, all that type of, type of thing. There's a, an app for um, the Pokemon Daycare. So you can see if they've uh, bred or not. So it was actually a really uh, useful utilization of the bottom screen on the Nintendo DS, um, the Pokertech. All right, so let's uh, let's keep moving on here. So where are we now? So we're Route uh, 203. And uh, I don't quite, quite remember what's in Route 203. Sure, sure it's just a wonderful place. I think it's just like a basic place before we go into a cave to get to uh, the uh, um, Orberg Gate. Oh yeah, so this is the cave, Orberg Gate. Gotcha. Just remembering as I go, <laughs> when you finally get Rock Smash or Strength, you find a nice TM in here. Let's go into Orberg City. And Orberg City is where we come across our uh, first gym. But before we go there, we need to um, go to the Orberg Mine. 
let's uh, trying to get the information for the gym leader. So let's go to Orberg Mine before we go there. And we're going to go and find the first gym leader. I'm trying to remember what the first gym leader's name is. So Rourke. All right. So Rourke is uh, the specialist for the rock type in the Sinnoh region. And uh, kind of going with tradition now, we're just making every, every first gym a rock type. So at this point, we've had three uh, beginning uh, gyms that are rock types and uh, one flying. So let's take this opportunity to, um, I guess let's talk about um, Orberg City first. So Orberg City is a vibrant and energetic mining town that is blessed with precious natural resource. There is a gym where uh, mine workers take breaks in between exhausting work shifts. There is a museum that specializes in, uh, in sorry, uh, uh, exhibits <laughs> related to the town's local mine. Huge deposits of coal still underneath the ground. The entrance to uh, Orberg Mine is here. So it's just very much a mining town, which is kind of a cool concept. We haven't really had that in the uh, the Pokemon universe before. Um, but let's uh, let's get into the gyms with the gym battle music. Let's enter the gym. All right, so we got to defeat Rourke for the coal badge, and. Uh, once we get that, we'll also be able to use Rock Smash outside, which is very useful. Um, Jim 2 will have to verse Gardenia, who is a Grass-type specialist. Then uh, Jim number 3 is Marlene in uh, Velostone City, and they are a Fighting-type specialist. Number 4 is Crasher Wake, and they are a Water-type specialist. Fantia is a ghost type specialist. Then we got a Byron at number six, who is a steel type specialist. We got Candace in Snowpoint City, who's an ice type specialist. And then at number eight, we got uh, Vulcana, who is an electric type uh, specialist, which is uh, pretty cool. But I'm noticing here, uh, Vulcana, he's got a Raichu, Ambipom, uh, Octillery, and a Luxray. It's a weird type electric team, but uh, anyway. All right, so they're the gym leaders of the Sinnoh region, and let's uh, get into some gym music. theme it's um it's, it's another one which I quite like I don't like it as much as the the trainer and the wild batter music but it's got like that dun, 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 dun. and I quite I quite enjoy that when I'm actually playing the game and actually having like a bit of a, a tough battle so I do uh, um, appreciate that one 
Alright, so let's defeat this gym. Well done, everyone. Congratulations. Let's get the badge. Yes. We went up a level. <laughs> and now we're moving on to Floroma Town. And a Floroma Town is a town of flowers. Floroma Town is always perfumed with a sweet scent of flowers. A short floral pathway opens up to a, a sprawling sea of flowers and bloom. In the center of the town uh, is the flower shop uh, called... Pick a peck of colours. There you go. I've got to admit, when I was um, going through the list of towns, I'm like, this is one which I just completely forgot about. Which is, um, which is, I guess, fair enough. There's not a whole lot here. It's very much like a town you just like pass through on your way. But um, when I play through the center region again, I'm looking forward to sort of like rediscovering some of these like small towns. And even though, like, these games are just, like, pixels and pretty, like, you know, basic as far as, uh, you know, graphics and stuff go, I always really love the towns and the areas that are, like, just, like, big meadows of flowers. I loved um, loved it in the uh, the past games and in this game, too. I think it's just really cool how there's a, just a whole area just full of flowers and it's just nice. It's nice. And with this music as well, it's just soothing. While we're here, we'll pick up some berries. We'll move on to Route 205. And listening to like a lot of the route music, I think uh, I think it's all really iconic for the Pokemon series. They really did nail the route music. I'd say if uh, if I had to like split it all up into like battle music, route music, town music. I'll say, like, the route music is some of the most memorable for this game, which, like, for me, a lot of the time, the battle music sort of uh, overruns, like, the the route music in that for me. All right, so let's talk about Team Galactic a bit as we go into uh, their building. We're in here snooping around, seeing what's going on. And uh, Team Galactic is the evil team for uh, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. And they've got such a weird sort of goal. Because <laughs> they want to basically make a perfect world for uh, Cyrus. And, yeah, they're, they're one, of, one of the teams which just, like, kind of, like, baffles me a little bit. <laughs> just they're so weird, just, like, with their... Just their style, their, their you know, their, the way they do their hair. The, it's just... Uh, Pretty funny. But um, going into a battle with a, uh, um, a team, a team galactic grunt. And most of these are pretty um, easy. They usually have like a, like a skun tank or a bronze lit. No, no, sorry, a bronzor. Um, that seems to be like their two main Pokemon. They got like the dark types and the steel types they usually go with. And uh, yeah, they're pretty easy to beat. So 
Where's my music? Oh, here it is. <laughs> It's actually a really nice theme. This theme is like one of the the better battle themes in the whole uh, game. To be honest, listening back to it now, I'm like, yeah, this uh, this, this rocks. <laughs> so just a, a bit more on the evil team. So this is the the first team to actually um, not have a goal that's just limited to the world itself, but they want to basically recreate the entire Pokemon universe. And uh, this article from Bulbapedia, so they say um, a Team Galactic appears only in the Sinnoh trio of games, Pokemon Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum, but unlike their previous generation of three counterparts, Team Magma and Team Aqua, their impact on the story is not affected on which primary pair is being played until the end, varying in the Pokemon they summon, uh, though their role does expand in Platinum. So, with uh, sort of their, their role in uh, these uh, these games being Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, or after either Palkia or Di Diagla, the main box legendary, to be able to, able to basically open a, a new dimension to a new world that's, a, that's a, I guess, perfect for, I guess, the the mob leader being Cyrus. And um, in Pokemon Platinum, uh, Cyrus opens up a portal to a place that's the, called the Distortion World. And the Distortion World is a, is a place that... Uh, uh, Giratina, the third legendary of the trio, is based, and this is where he was banished to by Arceus, the god of all Pokemon, for being his destructive and violent ways. And uh, uh, Cyrus goes here to try and capture um, Giratina to be able to open up a, you know, the same thing, open up a portal to a new world, which is a, uh, which is something. And the Distortion World was a really cool sort of addition to Pokemon Platinum. It was uh, like on the back of the box, it was something they just. Um, put in their marketing a whole lot and it was only like you know half an hour or 40 minutes of the actual game but it was pretty cool to go to like a, just a completely weird and alien place in the Pokemon universe so I did appreciate that when I was playing Pokemon Platinum um, but uh, let's let's move on to the Pokemon Team Galactic Commanders Alright, so first of all, we got Mars. Um, so, Mars is the female character with the, the red hair that you may remember. 
So in the game, she is seen leading the efforts of the Team Galactic to control Valley Windworks near Route um, 205. Yeah, the, the Valley Lake Windworks were actually a really great place where you get Drift Blim, I think on Fridays. Oh, no, Drift Loon, sorry. On Friday, so I remember that place trying to get my Drift Loon. Um, Mars is then seen at Lake Verity, and she makes her final appearance, along with Jupiter, uh, atop the Spear Pillar in an attempt to slow down the player so Cyrus can awaken the legendary Pokemon. But the player and the rival overpower them. So moving on to Jupiter, another female character with a sort of pink hair. In the games, she is seen at the uttermost floor of the Team Galactic Eterna building in Eterna City. She's also briefly seen at Lake Acurity, where she defeats the player's rival somewhat easily. And uh, not so much on their characters necessarily. I'm sure there's like heaps of stuff for um, these commanders' characters, but it's been a, it's been a long time since I played through these, so I can't really remember them all that well. Um, in Platinum, there was another commander added as well, being like an old man professor. But you know, I can't remember too much about it. I've played through Platinum once because I didn't want to reset my uh, <laughs> my uh, my save file. Alright, so let's talk about Cyrus a little bit, and this is from Bulbapedia. So, as the boss of Team Galactic, Cyrus is um, the main antagonist of the Sinnoh games. With the ultimate goal of summoning Diagla or Palki in order to destroy the universe, so he may start it again <laughs> as its god. Uh, born and raised in Sunny Shore City, he's also known to be a good, a bit antisocial student, a student who so preferred the company of machines over humans and Pokemon. Despite being a good student, however, he did not live up to his parents' expectations, so he felt rejected. Sometime after this, he decided uh, emotions were the source of all the strife in the world, and that only the, the elimination of emotions, among with spirit, could uh, be the end of the fighting world, which led to uh, his plan and actions during the storyline in Sinnoh. His grandfather, who lives on Route uh, 228, in Pokemon Platinum, regrets not talking to him during his time of need. It is also notable that Cyrus is very persistent uh, in order to reach his dream. After being defeated uh, once in Pokemon, sorry, what? Defeating once, well, one final time by the player, uh, he hints that he will someday make his ultimate goal into reality in the distortion world in Platinum. It is questionable what happened to him as he only walks away deeper into the world and is not encountered on the player's return visit. So there you go. So he's basically like a, a bit of a, a bit of a reject in, in, in some points, you know, being outcast, a bit antisocial, and it sort of led to, um, I don't know, wanting to destroy the universe. Bit of a, it's a bit much. Cyrus, you know, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a bad man. He sucks. He's no good. Bit of a bit of a Pokemon terrorist here, but um, yeah, a lot a lot of stuff you go through in these games, and um, let's ha let's have a battle with him. Let's have a battle with Cyrus. See what he's all about. Better remember this music. Ah, that's right.
So when you're versing uh, Cyrus, he's got a pretty um, basic Pokemon for like an evil team leader. So he has a Murkrow, a Golbat, Sneasel, and uh, evolves those Pokemon as time goes on. Um, you do verse him in Pokemon Sun and Moon as a part of the team, uh, team Rainbow Rocket uh, Saga at the end of Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. And uh, in, in those games, he has a Houndoom, Honchkrow, a Crobat, Weavile, and a Diagla. <laughs> so he got it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, that's right, because this is like the timeline where he succeeded. So, Jesus Christ. Jesus. Wouldn't that be a bloody shame? <laughs> uh, Cyrus's Pokemon are kept in Master Balls. That's pretty cool. There you go. Cool. Anyway, yeah, that's just like a little bit, um, sort of the Team Galactic stuff. I've just got to like search my memory bank a little bit more for that stuff. I seem to have forgotten a little bit about the characters and stuff, but, um, these probably would be the games I haven't played in the longest time, I think. Anyway, so let's, uh, let's move on to Eternal of Forest. Let's get out of the Team Galactic saga. And this is basically the region's main forest as you progress through. And this is where you get your first uh, tag team uh, up, where you team up with a trainer to help them get through the forest. And uh, they also help you with battling and stuff too, which um, was actually pretty cool. Your first little escort mission. And there's a few escort missions in Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, which you get through. Um, but uh, I remember coming here and getting Burmy. Burmy was always a... Uh, a fun Pokemon to get because of its split evolutions into Motham and Wormadam, depending on its gender, and also depending on where you caught it, it had um, a different typing as well. So it could be Steel, Ground, or Grass, which is uh, pretty cool. Um, the Steel type you could, I think you could get if like you hatch a Pokemon inside, but obviously in the uh, in the uh, forest here you get you get Grass types. All right, so let's move on to Eternate City. Eternity City, it's got like a nice uh, sort of sleepy theme. So, Eternity City is an old city that shows fading and almost forgotten uh, uh, vestiges of ancient history. A gym uh, is indistinguishable, in, indistinguishable from any other town that has many people coming and going. The city is no expectation. The cycle shop is located here. There's also a big building with a slightly sinister atmosphere. A statue of an ancient Pokemon is predominantly and uh, is predominantly displayed. So this is where you uh, come across the Team Galactic building, and uh, yeah, just a sleepy town. I um, always enjoyed getting to this point in the game because this is where you come across the second badge as well, the Grass Type Trainer Gardenia, which is just such a pun of a name. It's not even funny. <laughs> When you get here, you're surely ready to get an evolution. And this evolution sound is uh, very similar to every other game. Congratulations, you've got, um, I don't know, a grottle has evolved from your turtle. Congratulations. Here's the bike music. Great bike music, got to admit. Great bike music. Don't think I got sick of this one. Even though um, I did lots of egg hatching on uh, near the daycare center and heard this 
again and again. But never got sick of it. So moving down to Route 206. Oh, I haven't heard this in a long time. Cool, man. Let's move on to Half Rome City. So, Half Rome City, uh, this friendly city started as a place where Pokemon gathered and then grew into a center of commerce. If you care about the looks of your Pokemon, head to uh, head for the contest hall. For toughness, go to the gym. Uh, the entrance to Amity Square is here. The square is where uh, trainers can stroll peaceably with some types of Pokemon. There is a building here that is uh, symbolic of the city's status as a place where different cultures meet. A nice fountain with branches as well as the Pokemon fan club are among the city's an anemones. So, yeah, this is like one of the, I guess, the, the biggest cities in the region. And uh, I want to talk about Anemone Square because this was like it was a it was a cool thing back when these games come out because we didn't have Heart Gold Soul Silver where you can run around with every single Pokemon, but there was just one area where you could actually run around with just eleven Pokemon out of all of the Pokemon at the time. There was four hundred and ninety three, but you could only run around with eleven, and those eleven. So the obvious one is Pikachu. Then uh, what is it? It's a uh, Clefairy, Jigglypuff. Psyduck, Torchic, Shroomish, Skitty, uh, Pachirisu, uh, Drifloon, uh, Baneri, and Happiny. And they're the only Pokemon you can go into this area with. So you need one of these Pokemon to be able to go in there. And it's sort of random. Like, like for example, Torchic and Shroomish. You, you can't catch those at this point in the game. You can only get them from Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire and Emerald from um, transferring, which isn't available until late in the game. Which was a uh, yeah, kind of a kind of a weird thing. Let's move into some music while we keep discussing Amity Square. So as as you walk around, there's not a whole lot. There's trainers to talk to who are also walking around with their, their various Pokemon, but there's a few things in here that you're able to get. So you're able to get a TM45. You're able to get a spooky plate for Arceus to hold to become a, uh, a ghost type. However, um, the big, one of the biggest things in this uh, sort of place is that every 200 steps you take with your Pokemon, they're able to pick something up. And they can pick anything up from an evolution stone to hold items um, to uh, items that you use in the contest hall, which is also in this city. So it sort of plays into the contests in the Sinnoh region, um, how you're able to dress your Pokemon up with the bottom screen. And uh, how the how the contests sort of work moving into that. So they work kind of similar to they do in Generation 3, but they change it up. So instead of just being based off of the Pokeblock stats um, in, these, in the uh, other games, they're also based on a visual component as well. So you're able to get items and physically put them on your Pokemon. And uh, yeah, so I never got into this. I was sort of over contests by this point. Like I quite enjoyed how they did it in Ruby and Sapphire, but... Having to find items and dress up your Pokemon, I don't know. I feel like it just it wasn't appealing to a little boy 
Drew, you know what I mean? But I'm sure a lot of you guys out there who played through the Sinnoh games really did enjoy um, that, that component, so all the more to you. Um, and then they introduced a, a different uh, second section, so there was, it's called Dance Judgment. And the second round is Dance Judgment. The Pokemon that you have uh, entered into the contest either becomes the main singer or one of the background singers based on its performance in the last round. In this round, you get rated based on your rhythm and uh, coordination with the music <laughs> of the moment. Uh, to control this, uh, you press four buttons on the touchscreen to the music when instructed. The better your rhythm, the more points you get. And the end one is very similar to Ruby and Sapphire, how you, you use uh, moves and you've got to impress the judges um, by getting the most points. Um, so yeah, there's five rounds in that as well. So contests work pretty similar to how they do in the other games, just they add a, a few more components, actually collecting items to um, put on your Pokemon through Amity Square and other means. So a pretty cool bit of the games and like it's only from here where sort of like the dressing up of the Pokemon becomes, you know, a bit much, a bit much. I think it's a cool feature that I have it in there, but it's never something that I really utilized when I played through my Pokemon games. All right, so let's move on to Route 209. This is one I heard a lot. So basically this route, if you played a lot of Diamond Pearl and you did some egg hatching, you would have gone like through this route, through Solison Town and just like up to the other route. There's just like one massive long street you can just ride your bike on. Um, so you might have heard this a fair bit or you probably would have just heard the bike music because it overpowers this thing. But if you decide to run instead of using your bike, <laughs> you'd have heard this. There's a fair bit on this route, there's like a sort of like a, a Battle Tower-esque thing in the um, original games and yeah was it or was it like the ghost the ghost um tower I think it was the ghost tower hmm. anyway let's move on to Sol uh, and Town So in this town, the uh, the temperature climate makes this town a relaxed and casual place for people and Pokemon to live in. There is a Pokemon daycare and a Pokemon center here. The path beyond hemmed by its uh, stands of trees. Uh, one can find the entrance to Solison Town ruins. And uh, in those ruins, you can find um, unknown if you unlock them. Which I remember like um, hunting for all of them. In, in these games in particular. And uh, yeah, never again. I don't want to do unknown. I don't want to collect the goddamn alphabet. Uh, I remember people were raiding for them in Pokemon Go and collecting them like a year or so ago. I'm like, oh, I just don't care about unknown. Sorry, like I really don't. Like, I'm, I think I might have to one day when I'm actually trying to complete my um, living decks, like update it again, but not today. Not today. <laughs> Alright, let's, uh, let's keep going upward and onward to uh, Route 210. 
and we keep progressing this way on on the way to uh, Bellystone City, which is one of the bigger cities in the game. And here we are. So this city was made by carving out steep, rocky mountains. Its isolation limits its contact with other cities. The city puts effort into providing entertainment. Naturally, one can find a gym here. Conveniently located right next to the game corner is the prize exchange. Um, at the highest point of the city is Team Galactic's headquarters, where they are warehouse for storing a variety of goods. There is a major de department store. So, yeah, got a fair bit here. <laughs> got the evil team, got department store, got a gym, got a game corner. What more do you need? We're going to keep progressing to uh, the Valor Lakefront. There isn't too much to do here until we get to like the Team Galactic portion of the story where they actually blow it up. Which is just nuts. They physically blow up a lake and there's just like Magikarp flapping around. So that was one of like the most vivid memories I have of these games. Just like being that point where there's just like they blew up a lake. It's like holy shit. Right, let's keep progressing. So let's go to Canalave City. So Canalave City is a port city that is uh, uh, bisected by a canal. It has a distinctly uh, a distinctly foreign culture. Head to the library if you want a workout for the mind. Head to the gym if you want to work out. Large ships can always be seen moored at the town's piers. So this is like a fair way away, but it is like the next city. If you go back and get rid of those Psyduck and route um, 205. No, 209 I said. A 210? Yeah. So you go back there and you're able to use defog to get rid of defog and then you come to Canalove City. And I always remember this city because of like the story moments in the library with Professor Rowan. It tells you a few things and this is also the city where you take off if you want to go and catch a, a Darkrai. And back in the day I never had sort of the option to be able to go and get Darkrai. I never got the ticket. But I was able to use cheats on my R4 to uh, get a dark ride. And it was nothing too bad. Um, I didn't like hacking a ticket or hack the Pokemon or anything you know, disgusting like that. I'm, I'm not about cheating in Pokemon. But what I did is I um, basically from the very start of the game, I put a cheat on that allowed you to walk through walls. And how, these, how Diamond and Pearl was sort of programmed, it was actually pretty funny. Like they basically just put dark cry like the island, all the way out by itself. So if you can walk through walls, you can walk over the sea, you can walk through like the black nothingness. And if you just hold up and B for like five to 10 minutes, you will eventually get there if you just walk through the walls. And you just walk straight onto the island and you can catch him. Um, so that was always a funny thing. It was the same thing with Shaman as well. Like you just walk over the wall, through the water, then you get to the pathway where Shaman is. <laughs> But um, it was a little bit frustrating because I wasn't able... I was able to move Darkrai into Pokemon Bank. But um, Pokemon Home recently, it's like, oh, it knows. It knows that uh, I walked through the walls to get it somehow. <laughs> so I just... I don't currently have that Darkrai um, available to me, which is a little bit frustrating. But I move on from Pokemon Go, which is really useful. So now I have that Mythical. So all good. But yeah, that's just some weird memories I've got of uh, Canalave City. Just uh, walking through the walls. And just 
annoying the uh, the poor girl there that has uh, has nightmares. I don't care. I just want the dark ride. <laughs> I'm just gonna walk over there. So all right, let's go to route two sixteen. This must be the route as we're going to Snowpoint City. So Snowpoint City is a winter wonderland of a city where uh, stout trees and buildings are blanketed in thick snow. The gym is at the heart of the city. To the north is Snowpoint Temple. And in Snowpoint Temple, that is where we get the uh, the legendary Pokemon Regigigas, who is uh, the fourth Pokemon of uh, the Reggie Trio, I guess. Um, it kind of works as like the boss of uh, those Regis. And... Um, yeah, it's just interesting lore because it's one of like the first trio Pokemon to actually get a, a fourth iteration and outworks with the lore being like Regigigas sort of moved the continents and hid Regirock, Regi Ice, and Regi Steel in the Hoenn region. So it's pretty cool. So to get this Pokemon, you actually need those Regis um, in your party. So you need to move them from uh, previous games in the series for, through Power Park. So there is a, like a bit of a, a bit of a method to be able to get it. Um, but apart from that, it's been years since I've, uh, you know, done Snowpoint City. There's a few, like, uh, boulder puzzles in there you've got to go, and a few ice puzzles as well, where you sort of, like, skid across them. And then you, uh, yeah, you encounter Regigigas at level... I don't know if it was level 70 or level 1. I remember it being, like, a weird level. I'm not quite sure. Bobblepedia isn't telling me. But anyway... It might have been level one. I remember there was like some really weird sort of uh, <laughs> method there. Anyway, so yeah, Regigigas, Snowpoint City. This is also where you can get the, I think, the Glacial glacial Stone, where you've got to be near to evolve your Eevee into a Glaceon. I wasn't a huge fan of Glaceon necessarily, but anyway. All right, so let's go on to Mount Coronet. And this is where uh, the game sort of reaches its climax. As you're going to the top, you're using all of your goddamn HMs. I think you need like six of the silly things to uh, get to the top. With strength, rock smash, surf, uh, waterfall, probably flash, and uh, something else. Can't quite remember. It doesn't really matter. But Mount Coronet, it's always such a pain in the bum. Um, you know, caves in general in the Pokemon games are like... Just a, a drag. This one this one was probably the most infamous <laughs> cave apart from Victoria Roads. So we're going to the very top and that's where we get to the Spear Pillar. And as I said with the Team Galactic uh, part of the game, this is where it's all coming to a climax. You're trying to stop um, Cyrus from taking over the world and destroying it and making a brand new one for himself where he's God. And you know, Cyrus is God. That'll be disgusting. Like, he sucks. You don't want Cyrus as God. You've got Arceus. Arceus is God. You know. Well, this is dope music, and this is where you team up with uh, Barry to take down um, the evil team. And uh, you know they're a pretty tough fight. And uh, in Diamond Pearl, we have versus either Giratina or Palkia, depending on what version. I started off with uh, a playthrough of Pokemon Pearl, so I went against uh, Giratina, and this is the music that accompanies those legendaries.
So it appears as like, oh my god. And you're feeling you feel you're feeling the sweat running off your brow everyone. You're like, oh my god, that Pauky is gonna bend time. Or Diagonal is gonna bend space. No, the other way around. <laughs> Pauky is space, Diagonal is time. So let's have a battle. And if you didn't play through these games and uh, you're listening to this, regardless, you'll recognize this from the uh, Super Smash Brothers stage where it actually flips over on you and it's really annoying. <laughs> so you always play in Final Destination mode. great battle music really great battle music one of the best themes in the game um, to go along with the, the trainer theme I think honestly really uh, quite iconic and this is one I've heard a little bit more because like I said it is, it is in Super Smash Brothers on a on a stage where Palkia and Giratina appear at the uh, spear pillar um, in uh, Super Smash Bros which is a cool little stage alright so let's, uh, let's finish the, the legendary saga up Congratulations. Let's move on to Sunny Shore City as we uh, approach the Victory Road in the Pokemon League. And Sunny Shore City is a port city that's built around the bay portion of the Cape. It is uh, crisscrossed uh, ele by elevated walkways. The gym is located atop of a rocky um, outcropping. Uh, down the beach is a festival uh, bazaar. Um, the Vista Lighthouse Bright Beacon illuminates the Sinnoh region. So this is like, I guess, uh, the coastal town where the lighthouse is. Every region needs a lighthouse because how are those ships nowhere to go otherwise? But one portion of this, this city I really actually want to talk about. There's a, there's a place here in the market where you can buy seals for Pokeballs. And this was the only region to feature this. And um, games that are based in the Sinnoh region, I really want this to come back in the future. But um, reading reading this from Cerebi, I've got to remember this a little bit because it was a feature I absolutely loved. Being able to customize Pokeballs with a touchscreen, put the seals exactly where you want, and uh, when you throw the Pokemon out in battle, it has like a effect. So instead of just saying Pokeball Sparkles or just like the I don't know, Great Ball Sparkles or whatever the Pokeball usually does, it replaces that effect with something different. So if you put like a Love Heart seal or an Electric seal, you know, it might put Love Hearts and Electric out as it jumps out. So you can sort of theme your Pokemon in your seals. So you can put like a Thunderbolt on your Pikachu Pokeball, send it out, just sparks fly out with that. And it's really cool. So I'm just reading this from Cerebi. So... Um, your first port of call would be the Seal Park in the house just west of the Unknown Ruins. Um, uh, with this, you'll be able to go to the market in Sunny Shore City. Okay, so you get um, a Seal Sack 
in the unknown near the unknown ruins. Okay. Um, in this market, you are capable of purchasing many different seals. They sell different seals on different days, and there are many kinds of strength of seals. They're, they are fairly cheap, uh, usually from 50 to 150 poker dollars, so it'll be worth stocking up. Uh, now that you're stocked up on seals, go to any PC and head to the second option. That option will give you uh, the option to put on seals. Okay. Okay, so, yep. So the different types of seals is a heart seal, star seal, lion seal, smoke seal, uh, elect seal, uh, f uh, foamy seal, fire seal, party seal. I remember the party seal. Uh, flora seal, song seal, a, a seal, Z seal. <laughs> I just read that as like a, a seal. <laughs> uh, a shock seal and a mystery seal. Okay. So yeah, that's something I would love to see the Pokemon series uh, revisit because it's um, a lot of fun customizing Pokeballs. Especially uh, recently, uh, people have absolutely loved like changing their different Pokeballs and getting rare Pokeballs on rare Pokemon. And um, it's always something you check out. Like if you get a Zubat in a mystery trade or mystery gift or whatever, you're like, all right, that's cool, but it's in a beast ball. So that makes it a lot cooler than if it was just in a great ball or something. So being able to add on top of that with this seal feature again would be absolutely awesome. So hopefully that does make a return. All right, so we have um, skipped over a few towns um, before we get to the Pokemon League. Um, so a noticeable one would be uh, uh, Pastoria City. Uh, this city was originally founded to protect the Great Marsh. It has grown naturally over the years. This gym is a good example of the abundance of water resources made available to the city. There is a lookout that affords views of the Great Marsh and the gates to the Safari Zone are also here. So this was a sort of a cool route. There was sort of no other marsh area in any other Pokemon game. And I don't think there was one since. So this is pretty a unique uh, area to Sinnoh region. So I definitely cannot skip over it. And it's sort of like a, literally a trudge to get through because like, you know, when, once you go into the marsh, it just like slows you right down and it's slow to get through. And um, But there are some cool Pokemon here. This is where you get Yanma um, that evolves into the new Pokemon Yarmega. At the time, there's the Safari Zone, which was uh, which is always fun to go in and just see what pops up the first time you ever encounter a Safari Zone. And um, yeah, I think uh, Crash Awake as well, the gym leader um, of Surya City, uh, just like the most memorable one, just one of the most personality and um, water types are always a favorite of mine. So that's why I remember that as well. But yeah, Pastoria City, absolutely fantastic. Um, just missed over it. Didn't have... Uh, music in the soundtrack i'm not quite sure why but anyway let's move on to uh victory road because uh victory road we all know it's always a challenge in the pokemon games a lot of ace trainers in here a lot of revives used What the percussion, man? Yeah, that's cool, man. All right. Well, there's always like one theme or song from uh, the games which I just never listen to that much. I'm like, yeah, Vic the Victory Road from this game is really cool. Just like really slow, laid back, but just like the percussion in there is awesome. All right, so we get out of there, we get to the Pokemon League. And uh, well done, everyone. 
We're at the Pokemon League. It's time to try and win. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. The Pokemon League, for the, for the most part in these games, I can't remember them off by heart, except for Flint and obviously Cynthia, who is uh, the champion of the Sinnoh region. And she uh, she's one of the probably the coolest and toughest champions in this game. Or in the series, sorry. Uh, she, she is a, a real tough trainer to beat. And going through her team in a minute, we'll... Um, We'll see why. All right, so let's jump into some music here. Showdown Pokemon League. Oh, here we are. So we're going to approach the first member of the Elite Four. It's Aaron, and they are a Bug-type specialist. And they have a Dustox, Heracross, Vesperqueen, Beautifly, and Drapion. And the Drapion is the highest level Pokemon at the moment, being level 57. So, um, quite high levels for a Pokemon League, um, especially at the very beginning. So, hopefully you've done your training. You seem to get plenty of XP in uh, the Sinnoh region, which is really useful as well. Alright, so let's jump into the first battle. So, this is their encounter music. And into the actual battle music itself. And I heard this a lot because I was grinding in the Pokemon League a lot <laughs> in these games. So it's it's a you know it's a it's a final eight four theme. It's not my favourite like a lot of the other ones, but it's good. So the the uh, the second elite four member is Bertha, and they specialise in ground type Pokemon. They have a Quagsire, uh, Herpaudon, Sudowoodo, Wishcash, and a Golem. Number three is uh, one of my favourites in this elite four uh, is Flint. And Flint is a Fire-type specialist. They have a Rapidash, Infernape, Steelix, Lopunny, and a Drifblim. I just realized how random it was that he has a Drifblim. <laughs> He's got Fire-type attacks, though. So. And uh, then number four is Lucent. They are a Psychic specialist. They have Mr. Mime, Girafferig, Metacham, uh, Alakazam, and Bronzong. And uh, we'd, we've, we'll defeat all them. Nice and easy. And then we go against Cynthia. And Cynthia's, I would have to say, should be one of the most famous and fan favorite champions of the whole series. Honestly, like, probably the most memorable. Like, I would have to say, like, just like for fan art and stuff, you see a lot more Cynthia stuff than you do, like Blue, definitely Lance, Steven. Steven's up there, but Cynthia, I think, takes the cake as far as their favorite champions of the whole series go. And you can see why. She has some absolutely awesome Pokemon, which we'll jump into. So let's start the battle with Cynthia. So her Pokemon are only in level 60s. So they are quite high level. They jump up quite a bit from the other uh, Elite Four members. So she starts off with a Spiritomb. And Spiritomb in these games had no weakness with its uh, Ghost Dark typing. It does now with uh, the Fairy type introduced. But Spiritomb was an absolute menace so you had nothing but super effective against it so you just have to hit it as hard as you can 
Uh, going on, she has a Gastrodon at level 60, which was, you know, it's a bulky Pokemon, but if you have a grass type, um, you will be okay. Milotic is another uh, defensive Pokemon that's hard to take down, um, but you'll get it. Uh, Roserade. Roserade was never too hard, but it had uh, Toxic Spikes, which was always a pain in the bum. Always uh, hindered your party that way. And then Lucario. Lucario was a menace. <laughs> One of the um, best Pokemon in the game. And then her trump card at the very end, she has Garchomp. This Garchomp was a, was a bastard. If, if you don't have an Ice-type attack, you're probably going to... You're going to need one to take down this uh, Dragon Ground-type. But yeah, I don't know if I lost um, many times on my first run. I'm not quite sure, but this is just an infamous uh, champion in the Pokemon series. I think that's... I think it plays into why she's liked so much as well, because she's memorable because she has a hard team to take down. Which is uh, something that's kind of lost on uh, champions going on beyond this point. Like, you know, they're not super memorable necessarily. I think like Iris um, from Black and White 2 was memorable just because she's a cool character, but also because she's in the anime. So she does stand out a bit more because she's a companion with Ash. But Cynthia and Steven, you know, I think they're probably my uh, most high-rated champions because they actually play a big role throughout the story. And we, we never really touched on Cynthia throughout the rest of the story, but she does help with um, Team Galactic and... Um, a few problems you have throughout the story as well. So, big props to Cynthia. One of the uh, best, if not the best, uh, characters in the um, in the series. So, awesome. Alright, well done everyone. We've defeated Cynthia. Then we move on to the Hall of Fame. This is always a fun place where you, like, you can take a screenshot or a, f a picture or whatever and just like reflect on um, your team and make sure that you're, um, I guess you're proud of what you've done. You've, you've raised six Pokemon, you've beaten the Fleet Four, the champion, you've taken down Team Galactic, you stopped them from blowing up more planets and all of that type of thing and yeah it's just a, a nice place and every every region when I play the Hall of Fame music it's always like ah oh. because even just talking for an hour and a half and getting to this point it's like ah oh, we're here let alone a 20 hour Pokemon game <laughs> so that brings us to the end everyone of uh, the Sinnoh region and I just want to thank everybody for uh, listening because uh, doing these episodes is a lot of fun. I love sort of remembering them as we go. I didn't have like sort of the just the, the knowledge of the Sinnoh region as much as I do the Hoenn region and the, the Jojo and the Kanto region. But um, remembering a lot as I go along and I'm sure there's a lot I miss. But there's only so much I can fit in an hour and a half. I don't want to keep you too much longer. There's a lot of stuff going on in the post game as well. I think uh, Diana Pearl had an absolutely fantastic post game where I opened up a brand new island as we sort of discussed uh, before, being the battle zone where we could explore and um, have an island focus more on battles. And uh, learning that it's based on a, an island that's occupied by Russia is actually really interesting as well. So pretty cool stuff. Um, 
in uh, Platinum, they introduced the Battle Frontier again, which was really cool. It wasn't quite as cool as um, the one in Pokemon Emerald, but nevertheless, it was still a Battle Frontier where you collect symbols. Um, going through that really quickly, there was, there was only five facilities. So at the Battle Tower, you had uh, Tower Tycoon Palmer, and uh, Tycoon Palmer was actually uh, our rival Barry's father. Um, you can tell because they look very similar, and in the story, they do uh, mention that. Then we got the Battle Factory. We got Factory Head uh, uh, Thornton. Thornton. Hell yeah. Then we got the Battle Arcade. We got Arcade Star uh, Delia. Then the Battle Castle, we got Castle Valet uh, Darich. And then the Battle Hall, we got uh, Hall uh, Mataran uh, Argenta. Argenta? I don't don't know. A lot of these names are a bit weird. So, everybody, thank you very much for listening. But before we go along, we're going to do a quick uh, quick little uh, cry test. So, Generation 4, we've got to try and guess the cry. So, for these options, we've got Mr. Mime, Roserade, Magmortar, or Chingling. I love Chingling. All right, so that's Magmortar. That's not a, that's not a Chingling. <laughs> so, now we've got Heatran, Regigigas, Pachirisu, or Staravia. Ooh, I think it's Regigigas, but let's listen to that again. It could be Heatran as well. It's not Pachirisu. <sighs> I'm going to say Heatran. I want to say Regigigas, but I don't know. So now we've got Rodom, uh, Barbarrel, uh, uh, Lumion, or Cresselia. I think that's Cresselia. Yeah. Uh, so now we've got Cresselia, Rampardos, Budju, or Lucario. Oh, got that other one wrong. That was Cresselia. God damn it. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> so we've got Giratina, Ambipom, uh, uh, Ch- Cherubu, Cheruby, Cheruby, yeah, or Staraver again. I think that's Cheruby. Uh, now we got uh, Starly, Snover, Bidhoof, or Cricketot. It's Cricketot, okay. We've got Cresselia, Cheruby, uh, Stunky, or Stung Tank. I think that's Skunk Tank because it's a bit more to it. Oh, I don't know how long we're. I thought I was going to do it right at this, but it's been such a long time. So now we've got Yarn Mega, Floatzel, uh, Torterra, or Glaceon. <laughs> Floatzel, 100%. Uh, we've got um, Hippo- uh, Hippopotas, uh, uh, Luxie, or uh, Honchcrow, or Chimchar. <laughs> Ooh. I'm not sure. Okay, it's not Chimchar. Yeah, I think it's Honchcrow, I think. The so last one, we got Diagula, uh, Luxio, Hippowdon, or uh, Mantyke. Okay, Diagula. All right, how many did I get? I got seven. Okay, so Magmortar was the answer for question one. Uh, I got, yeah, I got I got the second question wrong. I should have went with Regigigas because that was my first thought. But then I'm like, oh, second guess myself. Went with Heatron. So Regigigas was uh, that one. Number three was Rotom. Yes, I got that when uh, 
Cresselia was the correct answer for number four. So number four. Cresselia. Number five was Cherub. Got that one. Or Cheruby, sorry. Uh, number six was Cricketot. Number seven was Skuntank. Yes. Number eight was Floatzel. Oh, so yeah. Number nine was Hippopotas. Okay. So what was Honchcrows? Wow. That sounds, that sounds horrifying. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I, I couldn't tell you even if someone asked me what Hippopotas sound like. I'm like, yeah. And number 10 was uh, Diagola. You can't mistake that cry. That is a. Uh... <laughs> That's horrifying. <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to this encore where we explored the Sinnoh region. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had a bit of nostalgia for Pokemon Diamond Pearl and Platinum. And in the future, I hope we get something tasty as well. Until next time, the doors to this encore are closed. I'll catch you later.